welcome to the Racers Edge, Chris, and thanks for, for taking the time in your in your schedule. Obviously, things are are ramping up again now after uh, a bit of a quiet time, I would imagine, for you over the past couple of years. Although you've done quite a bit of gigging in the last the last um, part of last year, which we'll get onto in a bit. So, just a quick introduction for people that might not know you. I'm just going to run through a few highlights. Began playing guitar at five, first gig at nine. Uh, Ten-year career in mixed martial arts, so you've lived around the world. Three albums so far, the last one being lighted up in 2019. Planet Rock, Best New Band of the Year, 2019. Member of Supersonic Blues Machine, supports to Bon Jovi, Blackstone Cherry, Beth Hart, Magpie Salute, amongst others. And new album coming out on the 4th of March called Death Valley Paradise, which is why we're here, followed by a UK tour. Not a bad resume. <laughs> this is your life. <laughs> so... Um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, where you are now. Obviously, the past two years, everyone's been in the same kind of position in terms of things went a bit shit, but it gave a lot of artists a bit of time to actually reevaluate and, and spend some time writing and stuff. Um, obviously, with the album out and the uh, the headline tour, is are you back on track? Are you focused? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's all systems go at the minute, obviously, with the... The album comes out and then the tour starts like four days, five days yeah. later. Uh, so, yeah, it's all systems go. And uh, it's just great to be back at it, um, particularly the live stuff for me. Um, that's why I started the band in the first place. I wanted yeah. to get out there and play my own music to people that wanted to listen to it. And, um, yeah, just looking forward to being in the same room as like-minded people. Just having a good time. Yeah, sure. So... Tell me about the writing of Death Valley Paradise. Was that done predominantly? Did you have stuff in already written when Light It Up had come out and you were you were promoting that, or has it all been done during lockdown? I started writing um, just as we finished the Light It Up tour, which was the autumn of 2019, so it was pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, I stopped writing then, um, and then uh yeah obviously all the way through the pandemic and you know obviously it was a tough time and it was the uncertainty of not knowing if and when we would ever get back to it yeah um but if i had to take any kind of positive from it it was the fact that i actually had time to sit down and and work on the songs and you know some of them got rewritten like five or six times yeah. and um you know and it was always for the better sometimes you can overdo things but this wasn't the case it's just every time it just got a little bit better until we got it to where we wanted to be. And um, if my tour schedule was, was as it was in 2020, um, I wouldn't have had the time to do that. So, you know, I, I think Death Valley Paradise is very much uh, a product of the pandemic. Sure, sure. And thematically, you've gone a little bit deeper and darker than maybe on, on Light It Up. Certainly there there's seems to be some, should we say, heavier heavier music, but also some some darker themes from what I've listened to on the, on the couple of plays I've had so far, has that been influenced by the whole situation in terms of your writing and the themes that you were picking up? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I mean, with, with the, the subject matter of the songs, you know, um, yeah, I was, you know, I had mental health issues and all that kind of thing, like most people uh, throughout the pandemic and, you know, some of that I haven't really suffered with before. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, kind of give me a new insight for sure. And, you know, I always use songwriting as an outlet anyway. It's kind of like a, 
a cathartic experience for me. So, yeah, it, it was good for that side of things. Um, regarding the album being heavier, um, that's just the way it it landed, really. You know, I've been influenced by a lot of, you know, I've always been a rock fan. I've, I've played in metal bands in my teens. Um, <clears throat> I grew up with it as much as I did with blues stuff. So it was going to come out at some point. Um, and I found like when I started writing, again, it was pre-pandemic, everything was just coming out heavier. Yeah. I don't know why. It was just that's naturally just what was coming out. And I, uh, I kind of thought, oh, shit, I'm going to have to rein this in a little bit because I'm supposed to be a blues rock artist as I get labelled. Uh, so, you know, this, people are going to shit their pants and they hear this. Um, but, you know, and I tried to write in like a blues rock way and like keep things in this like narrow little genre. And um, it was just crap and it just wasn't working. It was too forced. Um, so I ended up just doing a bunch of songs, a bunch of demos, and I took it to the label and I said, Look, I want to go heavier. This is what I'm doing. What do you think? And they were super, super supportive. Um, and it just went on from there. And once I had that, like, you know, that go ahead, like, you know, I got that free reign. Yeah. I was like, right, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, it, the, the pandemic was as good a time as any for a, a reset. So, um, you know, I think it's been a natural progression. Each album's gradually got heavier. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there'll be some people out there that will be like, oh, miss the blues, but there's enough blues guys out there. Yeah. Know, doing 12 bars to you. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> great great and you've you've got a new lineup now so you've got kelpie and billy um on board bringing bringing that that engine room to you to to give you that that kind of freedom to to play the guitar and stuff how did that come about and and were they part of the recording or did they come on after the recording yeah i mean billy joined summer 2019 so we did all of the right. light up tours um kelpie joined uh like christmas 2019 okay. January yeah. 2020 yeah. so he joined just for the pandemic hit so um he yeah he put that poor buggy he's been in the band now for however long it's been two 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 and a bit years and he's at, well he's just on the the Blackstone Cherry tour but for like 18 months he didn't he hadn't done anything with us um <laughs> uh, but yeah, both those guys, are, they're just amazing. And the thing is about the band now, like Josiah, he's gone on to guitar from Keys. Yeah. Fantastic guitar player. And we're just all on the same page. It's just an energy there. It's just, some, you know, it's, it's a much more tight-knit unit than anything I've had before. And just because musically everyone's on the same page, you know, yeah. there's no differences. Like, we all like the same stuff. We're all, you know, leaning the same way. And, and it's just it comes out on the recording when we get into a room and we play there's energy there's you know there's a vibe there there's there's an almost like an aggression there's a power yeah. and that comes through in the music um even when we play our older stuff you know it's it's just everything's just gone up a notch just because of of the characters and, and, and what what we're all into yeah sure and did you did you notice that as soon as you kind of got out on stage with the the festival dates last year and 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 the Blackstone Cherry support. Did you notice that there was a kind of, shall I say, a, a more of a cohesion, a bit more of a, a locked in approach with the band that you could actually maybe be a bit freer or however you you felt? And I wouldn't say that. I don't think that's fair to to previous yeah. um, band members. It's never been a thing like that. Yeah. Um, anyone I've had in my band has, has been a fantastic player, and you know. 
on the whole, you know, most of them have been very good people too. Um, so you know, it's, it's nothing like that. It's just, you know, people have different influences, people have different backgrounds and, and different interests and what they like and what they listen to. And, um, you know, these guys, us now, we're into the same stuff. And, um, you know, we like playing the same stuff. And, and I think that's what comes out. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I never felt like I was restricted before. I think I've had some great band members. Uh, I just think for what I'm doing now, this lineup is perfect. Yeah, sure. So, so one of the tracks on the on the album that I've listened to is a track called "My Parade," which is in the blurb that came with it. It was dubbed as your as your protest song, if you like. Um, I wondered whether that's a song that you've you've always needed to write. Is it a statement of where you are, or is it just something that you needed to get out? How long has it been lingering there for you to actually get out and and put that down as a as an actual track? Well. My parade started life because I wanted like a big chanty sing-along song. That's yeah. what I wanted. You know, I wrote, originally started writing my parade with live shows in mind. Um, and I, I was on the way back on a flight from Milan. I just played at the Milan guitar show. It was November, 2019, the pre-pandemic. And, um, and I, I was trying to come up with something on the plane and I was, I was jotting down some ideas and I kind of had the melody there mm-hmm. um didn't really have any words yet and then I landed at Bristol airport got my car and was, there's loads of roundabouts out of Bristol uh, airport yeah I I... Like the second roundabout and then um I pulled over and it, it came to me and it, it was the line this is my parade I yeah. don't give a fuck what people say. And it's changed that they don't actually line up like that in the song now. There's, there's some extra words that came in, but and, and I record it into a voice memo. Same same melody that's there now. This is my parade. And I don't give a fuck what people say. And that's what it was. And, that, and that's how it started. Yeah. And um, so it, it kind of, I wanted like a real powerful collective song where I know it says this is my parade, but it's kind of like this is our parade. You know, I want everyone to feel it. And, and then once the pandemic, um happened and, and you know and everything happened um obviously there's lots of lots of things going on and, and lots of controversies and you know um lots of rules and, and being told what to do and not what to do and all this kind of thing and, and it was just kind of inspired by all that really yeah sure cool i think it'll be um It'll certainly be one that uh, people will sing along to relatively quickly, I would imagine, when you play it live, because your fan base is such that those people that are going to buy that album or already pre-ordered it, whatever, will have already learnt all the words by the time you... The first time we ever played that song live yeah, uh, was at Steel House Festival. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, and we finished the song, and as soon as we finished it, the crowd carried on singing. Yeah, I, I remember. You know, it was the first time anyone had heard the song. It's the first, you know, no one had ever heard it. Um, and it'd only just been recorded. So yeah, I mean that was that was amazing, and that kind of confirmed, you know, everything that I want wanted with the song. You know. Yeah, so. sure, sure. So, so talking about live shows, obviously, from what I've read, your first live gig, if you like, was with your dad when you were nine years old, and then one of the most insane gigs that you will have played in, in recent time was supporting Blackstone Cherry at the Royal Albert Hall. 
Which one was more nerve-wracking? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can remember as far back uh, <laughs> nine years old. That was it was Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety-four. <laughs> um, yeah, I was nervous, but things are different when you're a kid, aren't they? Yeah, I suppose so. What about the Albert Hall then? What was that like? Well, the thing is, for me, I don't really, I don't suffer from nerves. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I spent a long time in the fighting world having to deal with nerves and coaching people that had to deal with nerves. Um, and for me, I don't take it as like, n- the nerves is a negative word, right? That's that's how it's being used in this context. Mm. You know, oh, nerves, oh, you're nervous. It's not, I always see it as like my body getting ready. So yeah, I had those feelings before they were all, but it wasn't nervous, like to the, where I'm going to let it affect my performance. I spent a long time, you know, mental training over the years when I was fighting to not let that happen. You know, we have our fight or flight response. Um, and I've seen a lot of good fighters um, fall victim to that over the years. You know, they'll be like absolute beasts in the gym, but then they let the nerves get hold of them um, and end up being like a little mouse in the ring and, and get banged out. I've seen it many a time. Um, so, you know, if I've learned anything from the fight world to bring that into the gigs, I know how to deal with the nerves. So, yeah, I get that feeling in the stomach that people get and, you know, I kind of get like a tingle. I get exactly the same feelings for a gig um, as I do before a fight. Yeah. It was the same, same feelings. And, uh, you know, I just know how to deal with it. And it was just exciting. It was just, it was daunting. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the thing about, I've done arenas and stuff like that, but the out hall is just like, it's like a cave. Like it's like a big cavernous thing. You know, the ceiling's so high. Yeah. When you stand at like the front of the stage and that, it's a weird feeling for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's all the history that's there, you know, it's 150 years old and backstage they've got pictures of stuff that's like happened over the years. And, you know, it's just amazing. Like the stuff that, that place has been used for. Yeah. And the night before we played there was the James Bond premiere. <laughs> it's just like, you know, so it, it was just amazing. It was an absolute honor. Um, and touring with the Blackstone Cherry guys was, was phenomenal. They're such a great bunch of guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you about that um, in terms of touring with them because you've been out with quite a lot of uh, of big names, and and you know you've been out with with Magpie Salute and with Bon Jovi and a few other people like that. Is there? I'm not going to ask for a horror story or anything because I don't think there are horror stories these days in the way that maybe there was in the past. Was there something that you? would have learned from all those support slots that you can now translate when you go out on your headline tours and how you, how you treat your support bands and stuff. Did you pick anything up from that? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I've been very, very fortunate that, you know, everyone we've played with has been, has been great. We've, I've not come across, you know, no, no one above me has, has ever been a dickhead. Most of the dickheads are people that, you know, have stayed at the same position for the past 10 years and then not get any bigger. Those are the dickheads. Um, but when you meet, like, you know, actual genuine rock stars, they're just the nicest fucking guys, you know. So I play in a band with Billy Gibbons, Supersonic yes. Blues Machine. And that guy's just a fucking legend. So nice, so friendly. And first time I met him, I went to his house in Beverly Hills. I just around, uh, arrived in LAX. Um, Fab, who's also in the band, picked me up. It was the first time I was going out there. It was the first time I was meeting everyone. And um, he's like, oh, Billy want, wants to know if you want to come around to his house. I was like, yeah, okay. Literally off the plane, straight up to Beverly Hills to, to his house and uh, yeah. end up yeah. being out on Sunset Strip doing tequilas with him. He's just like the coolest guy. Just yeah. the coolest, yeah. nicest guy. Um, 
chats you know he can he can talk all day about music you know and he loves it music guitars and cars um and you know all these guys blackstone cherry you know legitimate fucking rock stars you know selling selling out huge venues playing royal Hall, wembley arena and stuff like they did the previous tour um you know and they're just the most down-to-earth like nice cool guys and you just find that actually the one most of the ones that are successful um are like that i said the only horror stories or you know bumping into dickhead stories they're always the people that are you know doing headline shows to 50 people do you know what i mean yeah. like those are the ones that are always the knobheads sure. not everyone that sells 50 i don't mean that but i mean if I there is a knobhead, they're at that level i know what you mean i know what you mean so you're going out on tour obviously with um a band that had a, a pretty hot album last year in florence black with weight of the world who were from down by my neck of the woods in in Merthyr. so you've got a um a band underneath you if you like or the opening band that are going to put on hell of a show because i yeah i don't know if you've caught them last year at all but they were out they're pretty um pretty polished now because they've been touring quite a lot um was it a decision that you were involved in in terms of picking the support band is that something you're you're passionate about or is it just a, a... Yeah, i mean i uh, I don't always get involved. Yeah. Um, we actually had someone else lined up and they pulled out uh, because they, they, they had another offer and, and it was understandable. Um, and then it was kind of like looking at, well, who has been making waves? Who has been? Um, and that was lined up, you know, probably before France Black even released their album. Yeah. Um, before they were like on the, you know, probably making their mark. And then it was kind of like looking at, well, who's making a mark, who's making some waves, but they're not quite at that level yet. You know, they're not, they don't sell the amount of tickets that we sell. So who would benefit from coming on tour with us like that, but are also going to add some weight to the tour, you know, add some value to the tour. And, you know, I, I personally think Florence Black are the best for it. And, you know, yeah, of course they're a great band. And yeah, I mean, if they can come and show us up, that's what we want. You know, that's, that's what it's about. You know, Chris from Black Sun Cherry always says like, He's like, you know, that's what we want. You want a support band to go out there and give you a fucking run for your money. So you go out and you 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 bring your A game, and, and that's what we're gonna do. And yeah, you know, cool. It's gonna be a be a great show. Um, and yeah, I saw part of the set at Steel House from the side of the stage. Yeah, we were on after them or something. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think you know they're a band that are making waves, making some headway, and you know, I'm sure they'll be. Um, selling out these kind of venues on their own in 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 a year year or two time. Sure, sure. Well, we can but hope. Um, just going back to the the live shows, the the first live show that you played post lockdown, um, I think you played a a a, a gig. Um, yeah, I think you played one gig in two thousand and twenty, and then then you you got back out there with a couple of festivals last year. Is is that right? Yeah. So, but I did I did an acoustic tour with Beth Hart early 2020. Okay, yeah. So when you actually finally got back out there, I mean, I, I asked this question to a lot of people that I interview, and it's it, because I mean, I'm really interested in how certainly for you, obviously. I mean, you're you're used to playing, as you said, big arenas and stuff, but your first couple of shows back were festivals to four or five thousand people. You did Stone Death stone dead and 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 steel house where um the vibe at both of those was very much you could have got on there and just 
played a ukulele old school music halls songs for five minutes and people were were up for it because they were so starved of music. Was was there anything different you found about the crowd in terms of when when you got back on stage and how things developed, or did it just feel like back where you were and and that's how it should have been? Yeah, I mean, um, there's kind of two things there. So, I mean, the crowd thing, yeah, I think yeah. everything you just said is is right. I think there's definitely like, uh, and we felt on the Black Sun Cherry tour as well. There's definitely like something different in the air that you know people have missed it and um and you can feel that um and you can feel like how happy people are to be back out there and 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 going to gigs and enjoying live music um so it's definitely that personally um steel house was a bit of a weird one for me I, I, i i didn't feel massively comfortable it was um i think this was the first one back and there's a few things like behind the scenes that had gone wrong like technical issues and a few things it was just a bit of a weird uh a weird one for me until we had that moment with my parade and then it was you know that, that made everything awesome um by the time we got to <clears throat> stone dead uh i felt like everything was was flying and then once we were on to um the blackstone cherry tour i think uh you know it was just it was like the good old days everything was back and Mm-hmm. I definitely had a bit of ring rust, I think, or steel house in particular. Steel house was, like I said, it was a bit of a weird one. There, there was several things. But, um, but yeah, it was, like I said, once we had that crowd moment in steel house, that's given me something that uh, I, I won't ever forget. So, um, yeah, I, I do think there's a bit of ring rust there. But uh, so once we got into the Blackstone tour, um, you know, we did 15 dates with them. Yeah. So that was, you know, it's just like being back. Back to normal, and now we're we're raring to go. We did a headline show at Christmas. That was the first headline show in a long time, two years. Um, hometown show, and I thought I mean it was just as all the Om- Omicron stuff was coming out. It was, it was a pretty bad timing, so it's a bit quieter than uh, what we normally do. We normally sell that one out, uh, you know, weeks ahead, and you know we didn't yeah. sell it out, but we had a great night. And yeah, just there's a different feeling when you when you're doing headline shows, you know, because those those people have paid their hard-earned money to come and watch you. You know, when you support bands like Black Sun Cherry and stuff, people have bought tickets to see them. And well, I'm on the bill, I'm sure it'll add some value. And people are like, oh, yeah, no, cool, check out Chris. Or, oh, we know Chris, that's cool. But they're still there for Black Sun Cherry, first and foremost. Um, so you're always kind of like winning over fans. But when it's a headline show, like you've already won them. They love you. They, they love your music. That's why they're there. They've spent their hard-earned money to come and watch. Um, and for me, like that, I love that. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, it's just amazing to see everyone knows all the song words. And, you know, for me, that's that's what makes it, yeah, makes it special. So, so how many dates are you actually doing on this tour? I don't know. It's it's a good couple of weeks. Probably like 14, 15. That's normally around that. 15, probably. I don't. I don't even know. I know everywhere we're playing, so I could probably work it out. Yeah. But I don't know the end number. We're doing two uh, nights in Exeter. We're yeah. doing Cardiff, Bristol, Nottingham, Manchester, Liverpool, uh, Newcastle, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Sheffield, London. What have I missed? Have you missed the Midlands? Southampton. Yeah. Southampton. Yeah. Wolverhampton. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say Manchester? Yeah, you said Manchester. I mean, that, that's... That's it. 14? 
to me to me that's to me that's what i call it this one i'm gonna get lynched now well people, nottingham does say nottingham think so but if you i mean people can look at it, I mean. <laughs> to, look to, it up. 14 or 15 to, to me that's actually a proper norwich norwich there we are the norwich. sorry so to me that's a proper uk tour where you're actually taking in all parts of the country you're actually not to everyone because people in ireland northern ireland have been going mental but oh. we just couldn't get it to line up yeah, yeah yeah sure it's hard yeah, absolutely. So just a couple of final questions before we just do the final wrap about the promotion and where people can find the album and stuff. One of the things that's, um, I don't know if it's set the rock world alight recently, but Foo Fighters have done this uh, like thrashy death metal song. I don't know if you've heard it at all. that's come out recently. Uh, I've seen they've got their film coming out. Yeah. Um, but I, haven't, I haven't heard the song that's aligned to it. So I was going to ask, you know, you've got a background, you're brought up with heavy rock, heavy metal, etc. You've talked about the albums getting progressively heavier. Are we ever going to get to see you do anything extreme in terms of rock? Or is that, is, are you at where you would be most comfortable now playing? Well, each album has gradually got heavier. Yeah. So I reckon in about five albums time, <laughs> I'll be on Norwegian black metal. <laughs> That's that's yeah. when I reached my final form. You might not have had it rock band of the year that year, man. <laughs> uh, I honestly don't know. I, I, yeah. I'm not even thinking about the next album. I'm going to get get this one out and get touring again and get back to life. And then I haven't even been writing. Uh, I've just been too busy with stuff and yeah, I'm to get a uh, you know, sure. I'm to work for a living now instead of being a professional musician. And it's been. Uh, so yeah, some things I've had to take a bit of a back seat, but uh, once this tour's out of the way, I'll I'll probably start thinking about writing again. Sure, sure, sure. So the album's out a week Friday, the fourth of March. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, and then you kick off the tour as you said four days later. So if people want to, and they should pick it up and and find out, I'm assuming that the best place to do that would be to find you on your your social media stuff and then follow the links from there. Yeah. Yeah, the best place is to order off our web store. Yeah. Uh, because if you order a physical copy from there, then you get a free copy of our four-track acoustic EP. Um, and it's the only place that you'll be able to get it. Studio recordings, um, proper production. It's not just sat down, me with an acoustic guitar. It's proper unplugged versions of songs from the album, but it's the only place that you'll be able to get it um, from chrisbarrisband.com, official web store. Great. Well, thank you very much, Chris. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. I hope the, the tour goes well, and um, hopefully I'll get to see you. I know that we're covering it in, I think, um, Wolverhampton. So uh, wish you all the best. Thank you, mate. Awesome. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Make sure you keep up to date with future episodes by subscribing to our channels. For more information on this podcast, or for all the latest music news, reviews, interviews and more, head over to our website, www.theraisersedge.rocks.